0: What up? What up? What up? What up? What up? What up? What up?
1: What up? What up? What up? Let's just do this for for an hour. What? <laughs> I said let's just do this for an hour. Do what? What up? What up? What up? What up? What up? Yeah. All right.
0: Okay. I'm not thinking well right now. I had to. I drink a lot every night. Just for the record. Sure. I yeah. you know, one of my favorite posts I put on Facebook recently was. I don't play an alcoholic on TV, but I am one in real life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is I have this really strange reaction to alcohol, and specifically to tequila. Yeah, and like I'm a real connoisseur of well, I shouldn't say connoisseur, but I'm a fan of bourbon. And as I think you know, I'm a Maker's Mark ambassador. And so I get these gifts from Maker's wait, Mark. Wait,
1: what? You're a Maker's Mark ambassador? No, for real. You're you're a brand ambassador for Maker's Mark.
0: Well. Call it what you want. I'm just saying I get free stuff in the mail. What? Yeah. No, I have for years. I posted so much stuff about drinking Maker's Mark on Facebook, exactly as we got the invitation to the Final Four. Somebody sits at all these corporate offices, and they just go through and look and see who's posting about our stuff all the time. We should reward them. So anyway, I'm an ambassador, and for many years, I've been a, a heavy consumer of bourbon, and mm-hmm. I go through these strange phases where I'll drink bourbon for two years, then I'll drink wine for three years, then I'll drink tequila for three years, and yeah, then I'll drink you got beer. Some
1: water in there too. What? <laughs> hopefully, you get some water nah, in there too, Uncle Mike. Come on. Even
0: though I am a bourbon fan, if I have literally one or two ounces too much of bourbon in a given night. I won't be able to get out of bed the next day. That line is so fine, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, it's it's really fine. If I don't have too much, I can get up and just feel absolutely 100% normal. If I have one drink too many, then I'm just a wreck. But with tequila, there's no limit. I can just drink and drink and drink and drink and drink. and You can just keep going. And I can get up. Like and a, you can be like a sorority pledge. Absolutely. Last night, I had a ton of tequila and... Today's one of those rare days where I actually feel it. I actually am slightly hungover, which is super rare for me when I drink tequila. So, so we're starting this show off with all kinds of fun topics for people.
1: Well, it's. I mean, let's talk about this because I'm. I'm. Here's what I'm learning as I get older. So, first of all, my level of drinking has mostly tapered off. Good for you. Um, here's the problem. I really like. I really enjoy drinking. I really like it. I like the taste of alcohol, depending on what you know. What, what it drinks? Is. What are your favorite like? drinks? I mean, it varies, but I'll drink – I mean, my, my favorite drink, bar none, far and away, is a – and this is shows you how much of a pinky-raising patrician I really am, is that my favorite drink, bar none, is a Basque Country Spanish Cider. The the, the best thing if, – if anybody – like, if I was offered a last drink at my last meal, I'd be like, Basque, Basque Country Cider, end of story. Is this something like, that I should be
0: familiar with because I've never heard of it?
1: No, that's why I say I'm just the most, this is, it's like the most esoteric drink that some, okay, so cider is made from apples, as you know, like hard cider is fermented apple juice, basically. That's that's what it is, mm-hmm. and the, the best example of it, for some reason, comes from the Basque country, which is in northern Spain. B-A-S-Q-U-E. BASQUE. It's the only place in all of Europe that speaks a non-Indo-European language. The Basque language has no known root. It's just its own language. It just no one it, ha, it relates to no other spoken language on the planet. And the trees, the apple trees that are from that region have been cultivated over literally thousands of years and are now almost a separate species from other apple trees on the planet. Like that's how long human beings have been making cider out of these apples, mm-hmm. and they're they're not for eating. Like the if you were to eat one of the apples, you'd be like, "This is disgusting." well really? it's it's a cider apple. It's meant to be crushed, juiced, and then fermented. And so the cider that comes out of this territory is just delicious. I mean, like it's it doesn't taste like apple. You wouldn't know you were drinking apple juice. It's like light. It's fresh. It's got like a, le- it's almost like a lemony citrus type flavor to it. Huh. It's, I mean, it's really good and it's expensive as fuck because it comes from this very small region of very specifically grown trees. So if you can find a bottle of it, even like a 12 ounce bottle is like 30 bucks sometimes. What? Like it's just, yeah, it's super expensive. Wow. Um, and I'm a huge cider head and I really enjoy drinking hard cider and uh, which I can, I basically just because of living in France and going to like Northern France, that's a big thing they drink in that region. And I just love it. So I found this stuff once I read about it online and then I found a bottle of it randomly and I drank it and I was like, Oh, this is worth every penny. Like <laughs> it, this is absolutely worth every penny. And every time I've ever been able to find it anywhere, I just buy it immediately because it's imp- it's impossible to find. You can't order it online. Yeah, you have. I have no idea. Even people who have bottles of it in stock are like, "Yeah, it's random that we have this because wow. it's almost impossible to get." That's cool. So that's, that's my like. number one. <laughs> What's your number two? My, I well, it d- it depends. Budweiser, like, because Bud Light, probably like Bud Light, <laughs> like a Mil- Milwaukee's best. My dad drinks Milwaukee's best, by the way. For real? The Beast. Yeah, he he loves it. My dad loves shitty beer, like Ugh. Old Style, Paps Blue Ribbon. Ugh. Uh, yeah, all that stuff. He just loves it. Um, hams, oh, God. Strohs. Stop. I'm getting nauseous. Yeah. Yeah, I can't stand that stuff either, really. It's fine. It's kind of – it's like if it's cold. Like if I'm eating a hamburger and it's a cold beer, any of those beers are fine. As a go-to drink, no, sir. No, no. sir. I have self-respect. Absolutely. So, so anyway, my second – is like a toss-up between a lot of stuff. Lately, I've been really into uh, Traverse City Whiskey from the oh, Traverse yeah. City Whiskey Company. Yeah, you mentioned that on the last show. I've got, right right next to me, I bought, they for the first time ever, the first batch they've ever done, they've produced a barrel-proof straight bourbon whiskey infused with Montmorency cherries. I'm looking at the bottle right now. It's about 120 proof. It is st- strong as hell it was about a hundred dollars a bottle and this shit Whoa. is de- delicious i've also got their barrel proof rye whiskey and then i've got their limited edition bourbon whiskey finished in port barrels so this is a port finish bourbon whiskey and i bought all this shit and uh so it, i just love it it's good in this especially the cherry stuff i like a really yeah. good like cocktail like a manhattan mm-hmm. and the uh barrel proof cherry in a manhattan is just like oh yeah so good like a- match made in heaven. Dude, but it's exactly the same situation that you have with bourbon where it's like if I have even a little too much, I'm incapacitated the next day. Like I can't I can't really talk, I can't yep. really think. Yep.
0: It's like basically so weird that you describe it that way because that's almost exactly how I would describe it. Basically, I just curl up in a fetal position. I typically have the covers over my head and It reminds me of like when I had that motorcycle accident or whenever I'm sure you've been. Have you ever been seriously injured?
1: Uh, Not like your motorcycle accident injury.
0: Okay, well, I've been seriously injured on two occasions, uh, one time skiing and one time on a motorcycle. And both times the experience was identical because when you are seriously injured, there's something that just happens psychologically, physically, like your whole being Is modified, and it's really hard to understand until you live through it. But for me, what that meant was is that you just go into this like low power mode where your brain slows down and it kind of just stops thinking altogether. And you just you 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 just conserve energy, you conserve everything, you just ball up in the fetal position, and you just don't move, you don't think. I don't want music on, I don't want TV on. I literally will, will just lay there in silence. And I did that for, in the case of the motorcycle accident, I probably did it for a solid eh, maybe week to 10 days because there's just nothing I could do. Oh boy. I mean, just getting out of, getting out of bed yeah. uh, was incredible. I mean, the, the amount of pain that it caused just to get out of bed was, I mean, I can't even mm-hmm. describe it. And it was like that for at least a week. It's just weird how the, the body can can adapt and just go into these different modes that it knows it needs to go into. And,
1: and the severe hangovers like that
0: for me. Yeah. It sounds like for you too.
1: There just is a switch that has flipped now that I'm in like in my 30s where it's like, nope, done. Can't do it. can't get, Nope, not going to do anything today. Not going to get anything done today. Like it just – it, which is why I've had to – I think why – honestly why my drinking is tapered off is because I just I, – I have so many things I want to do that it prevents me from doing any of them.
0: Well, it's good. The, um, I'm, I'm kind of happy for you that you're that way because I think that it, it, that forces you to probably be less extreme in your behavior, which in the long run has to be good for you. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. As I, opposed to me, who just has carte blanche to consume tequila, and it's hilarious because <laughs> I, I I think you think I'm exaggerating, but if you actually observed what how much I drink of this stuff, it would it would probably frighten you because I buy so much tequila and margarita mix. That yeah. the people at the grocery where I go, which is Bushes at Five and Sheldon, which you know, yep. the people in there, I get looks from the employees because it's like, oh yeah. my god, I, weren't you in here? Like, was it yesterday and or the day before? And I buy the, you know, I buy the the largest standard size of tequila, which is, you know, it's a big bottle. The bottle costs uh, forty bucks, mm-hmm. and I'll go through one of those in two or three days.
1: What? No, I don't drink it all myself, but. I drink most of it. But here's what I know about tequila: is that it's it's a unique part of the reason that people yep. t- joke about. They're like, "Oh yeah, I get it, get tequila and then I go crazy." Or yep. like, part of the reason women are like, "Oh no, if I start drinking tequila, things like really freak out." Is because it's it's different. The chemical complex in tequila, due yes. to the use of agave, yes. turns into sugar in your system really quickly, and as a result, it's like an upper. It's not quite a downer, mm-hmm. so it's like. You know, it's like your it's like nature's four loco or something like it's it's like it's it's lowering your inhibitions and also giving you more energy at the same time. (laughs) It it is just a great mix. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just and not only that, but
0: because uh, and again, I don't know a thing about this, you know, from a scientific perspective, but uh, uh, isn't agave from a cacti plant?
1: Yeah, that's that's it's its own. It's like a cactus. It's a it's a succulent.
0: And so that—and and that is from the family of—and again, my my ignorance will be glaringly clear here—that is from the family of the same uh, plants or plant group or whatever the right title for that would be that produces uh, mescaline.
1: Oh, probably. No, it is. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's true, yeah. It
0: is. And so—and I've never read anything that— that says directly what I'm about to say, but I've always made the connection between psychedelics like mescaline, like mushrooms, like acid, and tequila, because there's just yeah. a there's a certain there's a certain commonality there. I mean, it's not the same thing, of course, but I mean, yeah, I never get down or depressed when I have tequila. In fact, it's hilarious. it's it's funny because as I've said so many times on the show, my normal evenings activities consist of I make a an incredible dinner, because I've just become a. I mean, it's I'm I'm shocked at how good of a chef I have become. I mean, it's it yeah. really is shocking.
1: Did you take a? Didn't you take a cooking? I mean, first uh, of all, your no former long term partner was a chef. So. Yeah, she was
0: a professional chef, but she taught me nothing, and <laughs> she never cooked for me. And so Got she it. might as well have not have been a chef because I didn't get a thing from her except maybe. Uh, what equipment to use like i observed sure. you know the pa- the the pans that she used the the cutlery that she used i got some of that from her but she never gave me a recipe she never gave me tips i just occasionally would see her cooking and remember you know, this is the same person and i still care about this person and respect her tremendously so i'm not slagging on her but she hand prepared every single meal my former dog ever ate, that dog never tasted dog food in its entire life, and it's now, uh, I don't know, 12? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, crazy. But anyway, um I've just become this great cook, so I typically make a, a fantastic dinner, and then I play Yahtzee with my mom, and I'm drinking the entire time. In fact, I'm drinking before before I start cooking. I typically have my first drink around five-ish. Yeah. And I'll and I just keep drinking until I go to bed. And so, like last night, I probably had, no exaggeration, five tall glasses of margarita that I'm mixing it at a level that you would never get in a in a bar. I mean, it's like yeah, two or three times the strength of a normal one. And I'm just pounding them. And I'm having a great you're time. Just, I'm having yeah, a great time. Yeah.
1: Well, of course you're having a great time. <laughs>
0: no, but you know how it could be weird because it's like first of all, my mom's never tasted alcohol in her life. She is 100% anti-drinking, 100% anti-drugs, and yet somehow we've just morphed into this place where I just get smashed every night, and we play Yahtzee, and then we play Scrabble, and we argue politics, and we do stuff like that, and the whole time I'm just smashed and just having a great time with my mom.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's it's really... Honestly, it sounds like you're winning... you're winning quarantine you're winning the covid uh situation <laughs> i mean uh, i think that a lot of people have it's funny because like cooking shows i've read have like like people exploded. people are watching cooking shows on youtube and stuff have just like exponentially increased i think i mean my parents is are on like a similar plan basically the, my dad cooks a different amazing dinner like every night basically for my, my mother and they just drink i mean he drinks what whiskey or red wine mm-hmm. and she drinks white wine with some maraschino cherries in it basically that's the that's their whole gig just about every day that's exactly what they do well, well it's really and- funny
0: it's it's really funny because another I mean, i'm continuing your thought about the winning the the quarantine is and i think this maybe is true for you too but i'll you know you can react when i'm done but i have really come to appreciate the simple things in life yeah. Mm-hmm. One, because so many things have been, t- so many options have been taken off the table for all of us. So it's sort of like, okay, here we are. This is the new norm. What are we going to do within it? And so what I just described is what is what has morphed from that for me. And I have come to really, I mean, I savor, I savor every single day. One, because my mother is, you know, she's eighty-seven years old. All things considered, and you can vouch for this, I mean, she's an eighty-seven-year-old going on sixty-five.
1: And it's it's nuts it, it, how, it is. It, how healthy she is, actually, and well, how much
0: energy she has. Yeah, and she really isn't that healthy, but yeah, I believe what it is is that she just has this—her spirit is so dominant, her spirit is just so strong that it sort of overcomes— other factors like her health which it which actually isn't that great but but you wouldn't know it because the way she goes and goes and goes so i've just come to appreciate the fact that you know the time that we have together she's moved in with me you know whatever it is a year ago whatever whatever that happened i don't know what it is exactly but it's been a great experience i've written about that i wrote a blog post about that but you know i've i've come to know her in a way that i never knew her before and mm-hmm. we actually have fun and in fact i actually i want to transition this conversation if you don't mind and if you don't sure. want to I'm totally cool with that, too, and I'm not saying we do it right this second, but this is a segue ultimately to that next thing, which is, I'd really like to talk to you about that email I sent you yesterday.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I yeah, mean, yeah. I think that You're... might
0: be interesting to include here. I mean, it's very personal, but so what? Much of what we say here is personal, but I'll just, yeah, finish, I'll just finish this I'm point. I'm okay with, yeah. I'll finish this point, which it, so. is sure. great. I look forward to that. And so I've just come to appreciate the simple things, and I, I actually look forward during the day. I'll think, okay, what am I going to make for dinner tonight? I need to go out and buy those ingredients, and, you know, and then I take great pleasure in making a meal, and we enjoy the meal, and it's like I'm just appreciating every single day because I've just reached this place in life, and I think it just takes a certain amount of living to get there. It's just impossible to duplicate this when you're younger, where you just realize my time is limited. I mean, I don't have that mm-hmm. many good years left. I just don't, and so I'm so aware of that so often that I'm thinking like this, you know what? I'm about to sit down and play Yahtzee with my mom. And as, as, as lame as that might sound to 98% of the people listening to this, I, I have a great time doing it. We have a mm. great time doing it. And I'm just thankful, I have gratitude. And not only that, but, and this is another huge lesson I've sort of learned recently, or, or it's just magnified in my mind is, every day that is free of a major negative is a phenomenal day. As, appo- yeah. as opposed to what it used to be for me, which is I expect there not to be tragedy. I expect there not to be major negatives. That's just a given, isn't it? No, yeah, not really, it isn't. Because yeah. once you have enough bad days, you kind of come to realize, oh my God, I should have been appreciating those good days a lot more than I did.
1: Yeah, I, it's funny because I heard somebody say something that, like this similar in the early days of the pandemic, basically. They were like Americans, and I think just all people in general need to get more used to the idea of taking pleasure in the simple things of life, pulling in expectations for things that we you know just all expect to happen. Yep. And um, it's funny because the people who really understand that, I think are like Bill talks about this is like he's you know, Bill's got a lot of family in um, Malaysia. He goes, you complain if the bus is late in America, but at least the bus showed up. Yep. Like, you can wait for the bus in India and Malaysia and the bus will just not come like it just won't show up. You'll be there for five hours and you'll realize, oh, it's not coming today. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, it's a whole that, different set of things.
1: Yeah. And so the idea that, you know, a bus is going to show up seems like a pretty like, yeah, hey, we got it pretty good, I guess. I agree with you. We're like, as it's, it's something that I have to keep in mind, I think, because I shove so much pressure on myself. Like, Especially in this situation, and this does actually lead into the the email that you sent me, which we'll talk about in a second. It sounds so stupid to say this, but this is just the case. Like, I was like angry at myself. How am I moving comedy forward? I'm not building my audience. I'm frustrated at myself for not being more productive. I'm like back home at my parents' house. My relationship is ending, like all this kind of stuff. And it's so weird because, from an outside perspective, I think I was complaining about this to my mother, and she was like, dude, you published a book. Like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? Like, you published a book, you're on the Comedy Seller podcast, you were on James Altucher's podcast like three times. You're going on like another couple of podcasts. There's like a whole lot, like I'm doing a lot of stuff. The point of me saying that is just like from an outside perspective, it looks stupid for me to be like, I'm not doing enough, especially when the entire world is going through like a a huge crisis, a giant biological disaster. And yet here I am like, I'm not doing enough. <laughs> like it's so, so Perspective is everything. To, it's just strange because it is, it's like perspective. Like you almost get jaded I'm almost like jaded by the fact that I'm just doing so much all the time that I'm like, okay, if things are not moving forward at a hundred miles an hour, I'm, right. I'm, I'm losing the race. Just calm down, appreciate what's going on here. Rome wasn't built in a day. You've got a whole lot of things moving around. It's like the pace of the world just kind of like turned into this type of thing. And in a weird way, coronavirus is this situation wherein all of that stuff just got the pause button pressed on it. Like you just can't expect the same things to happen. And maybe you shouldn't have expected them to happen in the first place, you know. Well, It's just a weird— Yeah, well, I think it's great that you're
0: contemplating and thinking in the manner that you are because I think that that's such a key to to happiness in life is perspective really is everything, that you can look at, oh, my gosh, I haven't done enough, or you can look at it and say, wow, look at how much I've done, and I have struggled with that my entire life as well, and I've Mm. erred on the side of what it sounds like you've erred on or have historically erred on the side of, which is what I do is never good enough. I'm not doing enough stuff. I should have done this then. I should have had that done a month ago. What am I doing? Why is this taking so long? Am I serious about this or not? I mean, these are the thoughts that swirled through my mind my entire life.
1: Yeah, it's pretty much constant. (laughs) Yeah, and it
0: gets old. It gets very old. And I think that sometimes you almost have to have an extraordinary event to reset your perspective, like either a major accident or a health scare or the death of someone you love or – a pandemic or whatever, something that just forces you to sort of re-examine everything. And mm-hmm. because I truly believe, you know, my favorite quote, I believe it was Abraham Lincoln who said, most people are about as happy as they want to be. And Ooh, I don't know who said that. I think That's it an was interesting quote. Well, and, and it's, you know, it's so simple, but I really believe it's true because I've just seen this over and over and over throughout the course of my life where you'll meet someone and to you, Based upon what you know of that person, I'm thinking of a. I'm thinking of a person very specifically right now who I've come to know a lot better recently. I'm not going to name name him, but he's a former New York City police lieutenant. He's smart. He's a good-looking dude. He's got a great personality. He's a kind of guy who he just you know, he, actually he kind of reminds me of you in this way. Like I've always viewed you like this too. That you just uh, you just never seem to have trouble connecting with women. And I've observed Mm -hmm. you do this personally. Like, I recall one incident in particular, I won't name names, but you'll remember it. We were at the Post Bar on St. Patrick's Day and ran into one of my best friends who was with one of her friends. Oh, yeah. And you guys ended up, you'd never met, I I don't know if you met my, had you met my friend before? I think you had. I think you had met her because she'd gone to some comedy shows, whatever. But you had never met her friend and you ended up making out with her friend at the bar. Oh, yeah. And I believe I you hooked up with her later.
1: Yeah, I think we dated for a minute.
0: Yeah, and she was, I mean, I don't want to go into the details, but I mean, this is a person who's significantly older than you. And she was yeah. hot. Uh, her initials are KB, right? Yes. So, yeah, so um. anyway, I, I've i observed you do that more than once. And this guy is like that Same too. Same thing. He's yeah. like a
1: similar kind of just kick. I mean, that's like a New York... Let me just say two things about that. One is that that's – in my experience living in New York, that's like a New York thing and and not not the idea that like guys in New York are just better with women or something. But it's like there's just so many more people that like you just have – you by osmosis and by force of situation have to connect with more people. So you just get better at it. Absolutely. But the second is like – I just want to say this. I had to go – I was not always this way. I had to – Go out of my way to learn how to interact with women. No, I know you did because <laughs> I was because I was so bad at it. <laughs> no, I know you did.
0: I know it was it was it was crazy for me to observe because you went from being sort of I didn't never thought that of you at one time in your life. And then suddenly you just showed up and you were just different, and you were just really at ease and you it was like you were connecting with women without trying. but and yeah. which is awesome. I've always admired that about you. That's a great quality. but but back to this guy. so he's he's just got all these positive attributes. He's got a son who is a hockey star who's probably going to be drafted into the NHL this coming season. The point is, and God have I taken forever to get there, but this dude, <laughs> this dude, you meet him, and you're like, this guy's awesome. I mean, like, he's likable. He's funny. He's, he's cool. He's edgy. He's a cop, you know, a cop in a good way. You know, where, like, he's just smart. He sees everything. And yeah. this guy is just really, 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 really miserable.
1: What? Yeah, now, oh, granted,
0: no. now granted, he has, you know, he, he has these health issues, so I don't want to make it sound like he has no I reason. I so thought
1: to be. that was going to go the other way. Yeah. I was like he's mm. just really appreciating all the good things in life, but damn no. man, that's that blows. No, but it's funny you say that because that's I've come
0: to know this guy a lot better in the last couple of months and I'm sort of made it my mission that I'm going to I'm gonna adjust his perspective. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna do it. I basically go out and have dinner with this guy once a week. We go out to a Meadowbrook Country Club on Saturday night. Me and my mom and this guy and oftentimes another guest, and I and I just started, I've been working on him. Like I've just been trying to make him see. Like he'll bitch about his kids that they don't appreciate him and things like that.
1: We- Your kid's about to be, what? Well, no, but,
0: yeah, but the kid is, the kid is, you know, I mean, he's a kid. I mean, he's just a kid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a teenager. He doesn't
1: appreciate anything. Right. He's
0: 17. Exactly. (laughs) No, exactly. That's exactly what it is, and I'm trying to make this guy realize, since I've had no kids myself, and I'm an expert on such things, that, that, that's just being a kid, dude. Relax. Give him some space. Like, you know, don't be so, don't be so hard on the situation, but I just want this guy to be happy because he has all the, he has all the attributes and all the reasons to be happy. And it's just funny how you can how it's so easy to analyze other people, but it's really difficult to analyze oneself, as I found. You know what I mean? It's hard to be objective about yourself. But I really do think that that quote from Abraham Lincoln is, is correct, that you just make up your mind. I've got this combination of things that I do every morning to try to adjust my attitude and my perspective because I know I need it. And I try to do yeah. this every day. And one of the things I do in the midst of these things, one of the items is I literally write this. I type this or speak it. I'll write or type. I'll say, today I'm going to be happy, period. Happiness is a decision and I am making it, period. And then I repeat that like three times because that's something I got out of Tim Ferriss's Tools for Titans. We never talked about that book. I don't think we should. Oh, dude, I love that book so much. Oh, you've read it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, oh man! I keep it. I for a long time, I kept it n- in my nightstand, and every night I would just look up. Oh some my God, shit About I did that with that book and the Forty Eight Laws of Power, as I'd be like, what, what it, what can I take from what happened today, and try to reference what some super successful person has said related to some challenge I had today.
0: Yeah, tools for titans. If I had to recommend one book. To anyone, especially somebody who is sort of entrepreneurial or business oriented, that was a secular book. That would be my yeah. number. That would be my number one recommendation, simply because it covers so many, th- basically everything I have in my um, that morning ritual that I just started to reference comes straight out of that book. Because if you recall, he had something he called morning pages, where yeah, morning
1: pages. I've been
0: doing them lately. All oh, yeah. And- yeah, that's really powerful and uh, that that was the that's the biggest thing I got out of that book was the the consistent writing of just free form, whatever's on your mind, write it down. I still recall exactly what he said about that. He said it was like spiritual windshield wipers or mental windshield wipers. Basically, it just kind of clears the fog in your mind. It it focuses you. It just gets just get the act of getting stuff out on paper. There's something about that. There just is. I'm not a huge believer in meditation simply because i I pray, and to me, that's a slightly different thing. But it's in the same family of thought, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. he, that was the number one topic that he talked about in that book. He's somewhere in that book, he said, the number one thing, that I got out of talking to however many people he talked to, you know, to write that book, or the number one thing that was mentioned most by all those people was that they had meditation as a consistent
1: discipline. Practice. Yep. Yeah. Yep. it was a medita- They had a meditative practice. And that meditative practice might have varied in terms of exactly how it looked, yes. but they all did
0: it regularly. Yep. But to my point about what I said before that in terms of I, I write down happiness is a decision today, I will be happy, that thing comes came from one of those chapters where— mm-hmm. This guy who had some some famous guy. I think he might have been the guy who is the who created the Dilbert comic strip, or Scott Adams. I think it was him who he had a major stuttering problem in like early in life, or maybe even not early in life, but every day he would write down like "I will overcome my stuttering problem," "I will overcome," or something like that, where he just wrote it and wrote it and wrote it. And there's just something about that. Again, much like there's an, there's something to the idea. Of putting stuff down on paper, there's also something to the idea of not just doing that, but programming yourself by virtue of that process of just yeah, over. That's an
1: auto suggestion that Napoleon Hill talks about. And it's funny because like people talk even Plato, like the the philo- the ancient philosopher Plato talks about this in terms of like something that people can cause things to come into being. And it's fascinating because, like, I don't know, you know, people talk about like, oh, it's the secret. Uh-huh. But there is definitely something about that process where thoughts become things and you uh-huh. tend to, you know, it's like when people when you ride a bike, people say you, you go where you look. So if you want to avoid obstacles on a bike, you should not be looking at them. You should be looking at the way to get around them. I think there's really something there. Tim Ferriss also talks about in The 4-Hour Body. Oh, The 4-Hour Body. Body. Yeah, that's a great book too. Yeah, He he talks about he has like a Silicon Valley buddy who decided to do the absolute minimum in terms of losing weight. So all he did was track his weight from day to day. He changed zero things in his diet consciously. And he ended up losing over the course of like a year. He lost like, I don't know, like uh, 70 pounds or something. It was like he almost lost a pound and a half a week or something. Uh Like when it all came together. Because this guy just, all he did was track his, he just had data points. That's it. He didn't change anything else in his diet. He didn't do anything consciously. And um, Charles Duhigg talks about this in his book, Smarter, Faster, Better. If you make information disfluent by interrupting it or recording it, it causes changes in your brain that you don't even notice. I actually have next to my computer here this notepad, and I would write down the same goals every morning on the notepad, just the same ones over and over again. And it's amazing how many of them have come true over the course of writing them. It's just crazy how that, how that stuff comes together.
0: I totally believe in that. I completely believe in it because I've had the exact same experience. In fact, it's funny because I have a big two foot by three foot post-it pad on the wall. Behind me, I have upcoming blog posts and one that I've been intending to write for the longest time for the moment I call it Measure What Matters. And mm. it's exactly mm. what you just said with a few more twists, but it's the same principle, which is if you want to affect something, if you want to affect change in your life in any way... The best way to do that is to measure it. Measure something associated with that because one, it keeps your focus on it constantly. Two, it does that auto programming or whatever term you just use, self actualization or whatever, whatever term you just use for that, where you're you're conditioning yourself in some way. Yeah, auto suggestion. Auto suggestion, right? And I believe that it can be. You didn't use this term, but what I was hearing you say was it's aspects of this are clearly subliminal. You know what I mean? It's like. You don't even necessarily realize how it's affecting you, but it does affect you somehow. And, you know, it basically elevates it as a priority or whatever. I mean, it just has an effect. And this is probably my number one discipline that I've developed over the course now. I mean, it's been been years. You've never seen this. In fact, the next time you're at my house, I can't wait to show you this, is that I have these Post-it, the company, you know, 3M, the Post-its, they they make these you know two foot by three foot wall post its that are lined or, oh, yeah. or a grid or whatever.
1: <sighs> yeah, that's right.
0: So I have I have probably like twenty of those pads in my office where I'm sitting right now, my home office, and I have this monthly checklist that I create by hand on one of these on one of these post its, and across the top it has all these different things that I want to do every single day. And then down the vertical axis, it's just days, you know, one, two, three, four, five, down to 30 or 31 or whatever, and I just check the shit off. But what that does, it keeps me so focused on doing that set of things that I deem critical every single day, and because it's hanging on a wall right next to me, I can't get Mm. away from it. So Mm. as an example, if I go a couple days without doing something on, you know, on that list, I put a big red X in that square. So I got to look at that and it it really wears on me. It's like, I can't, I cannot have another day with a red X in that category. I think that that's, that's a really powerful thing. And in fact, we, you know, we weren't intending to talk about this now, but I think we should, we should have an entire podcast to talk more about this in detail because I'm a huge believer, you know, measure what matters, the, the measuring of things influences behavior Like that'd be well. You,
1: you, you. uh, Your consistency. I guess it's something that, like, I am in awe of and envy. Is that your consistency with things? Like, you showed me your prayer book once, and you're like, "Here it is." And it's like every day for years, you've had this like prayer book that you write in. And I was like, "This is uh, this is amazing." Like, I for as somebody who has struggled with that a lot, um, getting into a consistent behavior. There's this quote from uh, love him or hate him, Tony Robbins, who says, it's not what you can do. It's what you can do consistently. Mm. And I think that's a really, really powerful point. It is not what you can do. It's what you can do consistently, what you can do every day, what you can do over and over again, um, what you can demonstrate that you can do consistently. My mentor, James Altucher always says, if you can get 1% better every day, you're improving three X over a year, Oh yeah, which is like, if you do that consistently, you know what I mean? You'll be 10X better in three years. That's an order of magnitude more effective at any given thing that you're doing. Absolutely. So it's like, that's going from one in a hundred of the best whatevers to one in 10 of the best whatevers. And that's a tremendous difference in effectiveness and in, in, in whatever you're, you know, doing basically.
0: And, and now I totally agree. And not only that, but once you sort of embrace that lifestyle and that entire approach, that, that life philosophy, it also takes a lot of pressure off of you, the, the specific kind of pressures that I think you're experiencing, which we were talking about earlier in this conversation when you were saying you're frustrated with your lack of progress or whatever then, but then you put on a different perspective and it looks different to you. Well, one thing about having that level of discipline where you're actually doing the key things that you think are most important to whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, there's mm-hmm. a certain comfort and you're much more accepting of lulls and the feeling of not making progress that you can point to explicitly when you can look at the wall and see that you have been consistent you have, you've been showing up every day and doing that thing whatever that thing is every day and you just sort of trust the process like that's an expression that you know has become really big in sports that term is yeah. used a lot but trust, trust the, the process, process.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah well i've apl- i've taken that that thought and applied it to what I'm talking about now which is I just trust the process that for example if I keep devoting time every day to the writing of blog posts, which is one of the things on that list that I might go two weeks and not produce anything that satisfies me or feel like I haven't accomplished anything but then I look at that I look at the wall and I see that I spent 42 minutes on that day and I spent 31 minutes the next day and I spent 27 minutes the next day and I spent 108 minutes the next day and then I then I missed a day and then I put 42 minutes. I just look at that and I trust the process, which is I know if I keep showing up and, and, and maintaining that level of discipline that from experience, I will produce something in the reasonably near future that I will like and yeah. I just keep going. And so – it kind of takes the pressure off when you know you've put in that time. You just – you trust the process that it's going to produce something. And so
1: yeah. that – I mean that's just such a solid way to think about this. But this is good to talk about because it's motivating. But like – It is. The, Jordan Harbinger likes to say the phrase um, quantity has a quality all its own. Oh, yeah. Since the start of the year I, and for a long time I was doing this. I was writing 10 jokes a day. And if you try to sit down and write 10 jokes in the morning, you know, like I would wake up and the first thing I would do, 5.30, 5.45 in the morning was open my computer and type 10 jokes. And I feel like one, I like to do the most important thing. The thing that I care about most in my life, I like to have first. Totally agree. So it's like, it, it, it just, it's just open. It's like, this is what I'm about. This is what I'm doing. This is the most important thing to me. And even if the rest of your day, you're spending time doing other projects, that was the first one you did and got to. And so I would write these 10 jokes, and a lot of them are, like, bad. But if I would write one out of every hundred that would be good, then every 10 days I'm producing a good joke that's three a month without even trying,
0: basically. And my guess is you can – your real percentage is much higher than that. So all the more reason to do it.
1: Yeah. So, like, that's a – I mean I want to get – you know, James would do – James credits his getting out of – after he lost all of his money the first time he credits getting out of that situation to writing 10 ideas a day consistently. Because he would write 10 ideas every day. After he would produce that list, he would ask himself, is there anybody who me sending this idea to would be valuable? Like, is there anybody who could actually use this idea? And then he would send one. And it was amazing how many people, and he, whether he knew them or not, I mean, that's one of James's like, qualities is that he's such a weird guy that he would just he would just message people he doesn't even know about like business ideas he had for them what he said is the number of people who got back to him and were like oh no this is a great idea like i this is a really good idea you had and here's how i think it would work is that what you were thinking He's like people who have never spoken to before would, oh i like, believe get back that to him and just yeah and just just agree with them that this was a good idea and would explore kind of how that would happen the whole reason we got into contact with James at all is because Bill and I dared each other to write um, at least one email a week to somebody you never thought would respond to you and bill emailed James and James got right back and was like yeah why don't you come on my podcast
0: well it was i really, i think that's really crazy I, I that's a great discipline that that in and of itself right there what you just described is a great discipline of reaching out to people that you don't think'll ever reply because I've done a bunch of that myself, and I've always been shocked at how effective that has been for me. And I think part of that is because, and again, here's another Tim Ferriss concept, and I don't recall the context, but I know it was in 4-Hour Workweek where he said this. The gist of it is men are afraid to ask the beautiful girl out on a date because they assume that because she's a beautiful girl – she has all these options and she can pick and choose. The reality is very different. The reality is the beautiful girl often gets less invitations than the average looking girl because yep. men, most men lack confidence and therefore they're not going to they just assume that they're going to be rejected, they don't even try. So the beautiful girl often sits home alone because nobody's asking her out. But if you yep. if you're the one who dares to to try you might have more success than you think simply because you're one of one or one of two or one of three making the request instead of what was in your mind as the one of a hundred. And yeah. so I think it's the same concept that uh, I'm guessing lots of people who are famous don't get that many outreaches from people and and I also think that you know I've always respected people who just
1: had the balls to try. One of the things that I've learned, Is that the higher up you go in terms of success hierarchy, in whatever way you want to think about that? People are normally more polite because the reason they got there wasn't by being a dick. Yep. And they're more. There's less of them. People say like, oh, it's lonely at the top, and you're like, well, there's some truth to that in the sense that like, there just there isn't a lot of people who are operating to try to engage with these people. Part of the reason. Like they got there, like I said, is just because they're nice people. Part of the reason you get to the level of success that these guys have gotten to is because they've said no to so many things. Like if you just said yes to everything, you would just never have time to do the things that you needed to do.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's another whole topic that we should explore at some point. We should all say yes more often because yes, almost by definition, is the precursor to everything good that ever happens in your life. That's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum would be, you got to learn to say no to things because if you say yes to things you'll never have time to get anything done and that that will evidence a, a lack of discernment in term or judgment in terms of deciding what to do or not do.
1: When someone asked both Warren Buffett and Bill Gates what their number one the number one thing that made them successful, both of them answered focus. And I think that there's really a lot of truth to that. Like, I've been so unfocused at so many times in my life, you know, and that's typically where things start going haywire is you're like, I don't exactly know what I'm going for here, you know?
0: Well, and, and, and I, I mean, I, yeah, I suffer from the same thing. And I, I do think you suffer from that because I recognize it because I suffer from it. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. I have erred on the side of doing 20 things an inch deep rather than doing two things 12 inches deep or whatever that math works out to be. You know what I mean? And yep. and I yep. do I do believe that uh, again, the same thing I just said about yes versus no is I can build an argument for both sides because on one hand, you know, the more different things you have your hand in, the more likely one of those things will ultimately pan out on a level that matters. But on the other hand, by not focusing more intently on a couple of things, you're by definition not applying as much energy, effort, focus Thought to those things as you could if you were more focused on those things.
1: But yeah, there's uh, let's talk about let's talk about your email. Let's shift some gears. All right, cool. Uh, yeah. So
0: uh, the setup the setup to this is that uh, and and I'll try to be brief here because it'll be you who talks more about this. I think. But uh, Brendan has as he's mentioned he mentioned it in our last podcast and he's touched on it just sort of in this one a little. He's uh, in a period of transition. You know, he's been working in he's been living in Chicago. He's been working in New York. He left New York because of the pandemic. Uh, he's had personal things going on in Chicago that are causing him to think about perhaps departing there as well. And so I, uh, I emailed Brendan yesterday and told him that he was welcome to come and live with me for a while while he figures out what he wants to do next. And so that's something that had been on my heart for a while. And when you said the things that you said in our last podcast, which, by the way, I published this morning. Brendan came into that podcast talking about just the fact that you got all this stuff going on in his life, and he's kind of down because of the discourse online and in life has become so polarized and, you know, so challenging, and he's getting beat up from people who oppose him politically. He's getting beat up by people who agree with him politically because he's not <laughs> yeah, enough dude, of what just, they are, it's, it's, which is so crazy, <laughs> but I totally get it. And so anyway, yeah. it was sort of hearing the, um, you know, the angst in your soul. And I've been trying, as I said in that same podcast, that I've been trying to make changes in my life in terms of not being so hard edged and, you know, just being basically a better person. Cause I, I don't think I'm a very good person, to be honest with you, I think I'm hard on people a lot. Have been my whole life. And I'm not proud of it. And I'm I'm trying to change my ways. So all of that sort of added up to I saw an opportunity. I actually thought about that for several days before I did it. It wasn't like a knee-jerk thing and I talked to my mom about it because, you know, mm-hmm. I just wanted her input. And she's like, I think that's a great idea. I think it could be very good for him. I think he might enjoy it. So why don't you just throw it out there and see how he reacts? So anyway, I sent this email to Brendan yesterday that said, hey, dude, you're welcome to come and stay here while you figure out what you're going to do next. I got plenty of room. I got multiple rooms that you can have and it could work. Plus, we're trying to maybe do something on the business idea that we've had going for literally years that we haven't developed. So that's the, yep. that's the backdrop. And Brendan replied to that last night and said basically, you know, really appreciated the offer and I'll just let you take it over from here.
1: Yeah, I just, I, I was very sweet to read, and uh, I had a very busy day yesterday and got it when you sent it and read it, and I was like, oh my god, I don't even, like it landed, I didn't even know what to say, because I was just basically like, wow, this is so this is so sweet of you, this is so nice of my uncle to send me. Things are so weird right now in so many ways. It just felt like a relief to read that. Like, I was like, oh my god, somebody's in my corner. <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm definitely in your corner, dude.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. I know you are. And I know other people are, too. I feel hashtag blessed in the sense that I have been very lucky to have such a wonderful family and have really good friends. And, you know, I just hope I'm always kind of doing right by everybody because I, I think I get so much value from my Friends and family, and I hope hopefully returning that value also. But I think you were just so direct. My parents weren't even like, "Hey, you can stay here." You know what I mean? My parents are kind of were kind kind of like, "Uh, sure, come on and over." You know what I mean? Like these, not you know not, not that they have to be enthusiastically right, like come on. But the point I guess I'm making is that I'm like, okay, I'm trying to figure out what I'm gonna do, and I'm not really sure. And the only things that I know I'm doing. Is I'm heading to New York for a little bit and then I'm going to Austin, Texas. I'm thinking about potentially spending the winter there. So I thought I have some comedian friends who just moved there and I was like, I might as well go out and visit. So I'm going to be there through the end of the month and I don't really know what I'm going to do after that, to be p- completely honest. It's just such a weird time because, like I said, you in this email back, it's hard to make plans. It's hard to, to even have a sense for, like, what, you know, what's the world going to be like in like six months, you know, like in, this, in the springtime. Right. Like I, you know, what I mean, if, yeah, if none any of us knows, indica- yeah, nobody has any idea. And like this entire winter is going to be completely weird. Studies show like there's people who have done epidemiological archaeology or whatever, where they like study documents in terms of ancient and old epidemics that looks like the worst part of any epidemic is always the fall and winter of the first year of its arrival. Mm hmm and i wouldn't be surprised if that's the case i mean obviously there's a lot of, there's a ton of different information and misinformation and right. and information that nobody can like t- quite like counter information and just it's difficult to get a sense of all this stuff but i guess the point i'm making is like it's hard to make any plans so like i've just kind of been like well i don't know what the fuck i'm going to do right so when you got your email i was like shit man i might take you up on this because i, I think having some space that wouldn't feel like it was like imposing on my parents and then the ability for you know, to get some work done for us to maybe work together on the other project. I think that that sounds really nice, actually.
0: Well, yeah. And, and the biggest point there you just made, which is just the uncertainty of things, I just wanted you to know you had a place to go. I can totally understand how the dynamic that you have with your parents, which I think is, I think your parents are wonderful. I think you have a great relationship with them. Do not misunderstand this at all. It's just the yeah. normal, the normal thing between a parent and a child. You kind of wear out your welcome at a certain point, maybe. Or, yep. you know what I mean? Maybe that's not the best way to say it, but you know what I'm saying? It's just different yeah. when it's your parents. So anyway, I, I was trying to picture what it would be like for you to be in that position, knowing that, you know, the Chicago thing was was happening, blah, blah, blah. blah and I just wanted you to know you had somewhere to go. And and selfishly, I, did, I do think that we could push the business idea forward a whole lot better if you were here physically than not. I think that's just yep. obvious. Again, it wouldn't be an imposition because you could have your own space in my house, as you know, because you been here a bunch of times it's a unique floor plan because it's had multiple editions put on it so as a result you can literally we could go days without seeing each other
1: very easily yeah it's almost like I, I was telling gloria about this because i was like oh man i got this email from my uncle this is like really sweet of him to offer this and she was kind of like oh you don't think that would be weird. I'm like, well you've been to his house. It's like first of all, his house is big enough that it's not it wouldn't be I don't think it would be an in position on space. And then secondly, it's almost like two houses that were wedged together. No, that's exactly <laughs> so,
0: that's exactly so what the, it is. I think it'd work out really well for you. But again, I'm not trying to push you. I just wanted you to know you had the option.
1: Honestly, Uncle Mike, this is so this is it was a relief to read. And uh I I think I might take you up on it. I'm just like I said, I'm still trying to figure out what Right. Exactly. The The plan is going to be, it might be into October before I come back from New York, Austin, Texas. Um, why, why are you going to Austin? Uh, I just, I have the opportunity to just stay there for free. Austin, Texas is warm through the winter. I thought this would be good for me to just get out of my head for a little while. And, 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 do, and yeah, uh, I agree. And I, I do think, if have you been to Austin? Yeah, a couple of times. Oh, okay. So you know what
0: it's like. I was going to say it's, it would be a good thing for you if you hadn't been there to just go experience it because- it is a cool town, even though we, I slagged on it in the last podcast. I was very specific as to why I was doing that, which is it's all climate. I just hate the climate. Otherwise,
1: what an amazing oh, wait, place, dude! It's like ninety there right now. It's crazy. Oh yeah, it's I mean, it's, it's, it's like ninety degrees in Austin right oh, now. Oh yeah, I'm and like in, super in, humid in January. Uh,
0: you know, I've been there. I've been there lots of times, and it, I've been there in January when it was seventy-five degrees, and and uh, I was uncomfortably warm, and people had heat on, and they were wearing. Down jackets and
1: 70 out, which yeah, is dude. hilarious. It's like exact. When you go down there, like they just, they, they have no idea what real cold actually is.
0: They don't. <laughs> Plus they, I believe that they have defunded the police down in Austin.
1: Joe Insane. Rogan was just talking about this on the, his, his podcast with um uh, Ron White. He had on where he's, cause Joe Rogan's in Austin now and he's, that's where his studio is. He's starting a comedy club, um, maybe with Ron White actually in Austin. Really? Yeah, so that's why a bunch of comedians are moving there. Oh, shit. I didn't know that
0: part. Not only that, but I think just the cultural or the exodus from California. And it's been clear, we've talked about this before, that it's clear to me that the number one destination for people leaving California is Texas.
1: Oh, yeah. It's been, I mean, like, the, the exodus from California has been nuts. I like people out of San Francisco, people out of out of LA like a lot of people have been leaving that whole state for tons of reasons that are both political and non-political it's just like it's 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 nuts I mean but but, I mean that's a good thing like ultimately like this there should be a more disparate it's like everything in the we talked about this ad nauseum on other podcasts but like there should be more you know even, even James says it he's like there's gonna be more opportunities in the rest of the America now because people have left New York and LA basically like they're they're gonna they're gonna find opportunities in their local environment. Exactly. which I think is cool.
0: Well, and again, like I just said, I didn't know about Rogan. So I mean, I, Rogan, I've, I've seen Rogan talk about, oh yeah, I'm gonna be leaving California at some point. I just don't know when or where I'm going. So that's the last I heard. So I didn't know he'd officially relocated to Austin. But that does seem to be the place everyone's going. It's clear that that that's the that's the in place as far as I can tell. And I would love to be there, if not for the climate, I really would. You know, like I yeah. when I when I first had the opportunity to move there, I was super excited about it. I really was. Like this is gonna be awesome. I, it's a cool town. I'd been there a couple times and loved it. Had a great time. There's a party atmosphere there. Even though it's it just it
1: just feels everything every, when you walk around, it just feels there's like, an energy. Yeah, it's like people. It's I don't even want to say it's like a, a we don't give a shit. It's not like. It's just like, hey man, it's all whatever. It's fine. Like everything's fine. Like have a beer, whatever. Well, like, what, that's kind of how how it kind of feels to me.
0: Well, my very first observation when I got down there for the very first time, because I was going down there to take a specific job, and yep. and I uh, I remember the first day I was there, and they the offices of this company, and you know, it's it's a cool open environment, this really hip, cutting edge company it was the real estate brokerage of the year in America in like 2009 or 10 or 11 or something like that. So it was, it had this, this huge buzz around this company. And so I'm there and it felt cool. The people are cool. It's hip. It's cutting edge. They're in a cool location. There's food trucks nearby. It's Austin. It's cool. And so the like five o'clock rolls around and I have no idea what the plan is. You know, like, oh, I'm just going to go to, I'm staying at the home of the of the couple that founded the company. So I'm just going back to their house, I thought. But as it turned out, they actually pull out a bottle of Maker's Mark, you know, as a as just a, a gift for me on my first day there. And we mm-hmm. we had drinks at the office, then we went to a bar, then we went to another bar, and then we went back home and I was smashed on my first. Oh yeah, coming day there.
1: coming for, full circle to this conversation. Yeah. One of the yeah. drunkest yeah. I ever got was uh, with a friend of mine walking around Austin. Uh, we went to a Mezcal bar, and I'd never really had Mezcal before. I've never had it. Oh, dude, I love it now. I mean, it's like the whiskey of tequila, if that makes sense. Like, it's mm-hmm. just a – it's got a smoky taste. It's got, like – it's different Mezcals from different regions smell like di- – you know, taste like different things. So I just had a great time, and I got blasted.
0: <laughs> well, it's a party town. <laughs> like
1: yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah,
0: so so my, my point in telling you that story is that so that was my first night in Austin and and I thought, okay, well that was just sort of their welcoming party for me. Nope. Mm. This is how nope. they this that was is, just every day. That's just fucking <laughs> every day. It literally, every day I was there, there was a social event in the evening involving some collection of people from that company. And it'd be like, Oh, where are we meeting tonight? And we would yep. go out to some bar, some restaurant and it was like they were just they were just Really, truly enjoying life, and that I, yep. I was intoxicated by that. Like I loved it. It's like this is exactly what I don't have at home. I don't have any sort of a structure like this at home. You know, I don't. Yep. And,
1: and honestly, Boulder, Colorado is was pretty similar. Like it's it's that that whole like, all right, cool, we're gonna go we're gonna go running, and then we're gonna then we're gonna go out for drinks, and like at lunchtime we're gonna go run five miles.
0: Well, you know, and then you know this about Austin, right? I mean, it is a fitness. Mecca town. Oh my god, it's yeah. Fitness down there is insane. In fact, and the number one thing down there that they do is run.
1: Oh yeah, they run a lot, man. And it's like there's a a couple of dudes I follow on YouTube for for you know workout motivation or guys who live in Austin and they're just so jacked, man. Like these guys just they just work out a lot.
0: It's funny too because Uh, the stat a big status thing down there, and I, I I don't think that's unique to Austin, but it was definitely a thing there is what health club you belong to is a big deal like oh uh, yeah. well, he's a member <laughs> at and they would they would mention some club basically because there's just such a fitness obsession there that you have to be at a certain level of fitness to even feel good about going to certain clubs so so for you to even belong to a club su- certain clubs suggest oh my gosh that dude is really fit or he wouldn't even be there yeah, or, or the or you'd be ostracized or something. But yeah, it's a, it's got it's got so many positive attributes that town does, and, and I really do hope you get a chance to go there and spend even more time because, yeah, if if you could choose a place to spend a winter, that would be near the oh, top yeah. of the list. It would list. be a great
1: place to do it. I mean, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I guess, but I should probably we should probably wrap this up because I got to go pack up this whole this yeah. whole and I got a guy coming to give my me stuff.
0: my latest home improvement project. I'm hoping to put a second floor deck off the back of my house, which... Oh, dude, that's pretty cool. Off of the uh, the back area that you have there? That's amazing. Off of my master bedroom. So basically yep. the idea is I'd remove two windows, I'd install a door wall, that door wall would walk out onto a deck, which would be built over the patio that I already have in my backyard, and this would be exclusively a second floor deck. The idea would be... Just to be able to go out there and hang out at night, and you know, have drinks, and just have a place to talk, and we eat dinner, whatever. And I just think it would be awesome, dude. That is so. That's such a cool idea. My deck guy's here right now. Uh, I I, I got to cut this off, dude. Sorry, he's literally right. way no out the window. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll be back with you. Sorry for this awkward <laughs> ending, but you know, life happens. So right. we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.